1: It really tugs at your heart and the shared experience of growing up with dual cultures, triple cultures, however many you may have, right? And so by that, Roman, you mentioned how you called your dad right after you saw it the first time in the movie theater. And for many of us, right, this movie speaks to that. Like how many times were we maybe embarrassed about our food that we were having as teenagers? We just wanted American food, right? And we wanted to fit in. And that's what this movie did for me. Like it reminded me of those experiences myself and then also my big moment of recognizing all that my parents had gone through.
2: But we're no one's model minority.
0: This is a show about all of you, for all of us. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Rumen. You know, I've really
2: been thinking and reflecting a lot
0: lately. Yeah, you're like a different person lately. <laughs> You're much more quiet and contemplative lately, and I think I've finally figured out why.
2: Aw, that means a lot, dude. I feel like after all this time and all these conversations, you really get me.
0: Aw, well, I can really read you like a book, dude. I mean, I'd be pretty down after finding out Weezer canceled their Broadway residency in New York because you procrastinated on buying any tickets. (sighs) Okay, first, you're right. (laughs) I I really let Rivers down here. He was heartbroken. I he he wrote to me. He was like, I can't believe Roman didn't buy these tickets.
2: <laughs> say say it ain't so. Uh, after two years of avoiding everyone and everything IRL, I needed to go to these shows. It's really hard to understand what someone like me is going through, Sharon.
0: Oh my gosh, you are laying it on so thick, Roman.
2: Okay, I take it back. You don't get
0: me. I I don't. <laughs> But now I do, mainly because of this week's M.M. movie.
2: Oh, no. Oh, God.
0: Yep, that's right. This week we're going back to the movies and we're watching one of Raman's all-time favorites, 2006's The Namesake by Mira Nair, based on the 2003 novel of the same name by Jhumpa Lahiri, which Raman tells me is required reading for every young Indian-American boy.
2: Do you speak the truth, Sharon. <laughs> this is a book... And a movie that
0: I have a lot of feelings about. Turns out that I did too. So I'm excited about this one. <laughs> the film stars Cal Penn, who I totally oh. loved from oh, <laughs> White no. Castle. Oh. Um, but he, he stars in this film as the title role of Gogol Gongli, alongside his family, played by Tabu, Sahira Nair, and the late, great Irfan Khan.
2: The story follows the life of a young Bengali boy as he grows into adulthood across two cultures. But unlike the book, the film is not as much an interior reflection of what Gogol is thinking and feeling, but more a broader take on the family origins and experience uh, of honestly any immigrant experience in America, where his parents take just as much the center stage. In fact, I've told the story before, while the book really spoke to me in my early 20s, upon seeing the film when it came out in my late 20s, I literally walked out of the theater and called my dad to apologize for not better understanding everything him and my mom did for my sister and I. Yeah. So Sharon, I got to ask, which of our past Indian American guests do we have to watch the film to talk with us? Is it Paresh? Is it Rajiv? Is it the other Roman?
0: Oh, you know how this works. Because this is MM movies, we're all about minority experiences for our majority ears. I invited a non-Indian friend of the pod. Joining us today to talk about the namesake is our favorite Iranian Canadian by way of Ohio, Ida Abdalkhani. Ida, welcome back to Modern Minorities.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you.
0: Yeah, I've been
2: having so much fun with this series of our shared, where, again, it's about not just talking to guests, but talking to our friends about stuff in the culture. And not even the latest stuff, but, like, the older stuff. The last time we talked about the Joy Luck Club... Which it's a movie, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it was an influential movie. I'll I'll just leave it at that. And now we're talking about The Namesake, which again, I have a lot of mixed feelings about. And this isn't going to be the first or the last one of these. We're going to keep doing them about other movies that talk about other minority experiences. So if you've got suggestions for films we should be watching that speak to different minority experiences, reach out, email us at mom at
0: modmypod.com. All right, all right. Enough talk. Let's get into it. This wasn't the first time for most of us seeing The Namesake. So I got to ask, Ida, what did you think of the film?
1: Well, I watched it again, and it made me cry again. It is definitely one of those that I really tugs at your heart in terms of the shared experience of growing up with dual cultures, triple cultures, however many you may have, right? And so by that, Roman, you mentioned how you called your dad right after you saw it the first time in the movie theater and kind of apologize to him about some of the things maybe that you've said or done growing up. The reason up. I
2: hate Cal Penn is because in that film, he reflects like He's the you. cringiest moments of my teens, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my twenties.
1: Right. Right. And for many of us, right. This movie speaks to that. Like how many times were we maybe embarrassed about our food that we were having as teenagers. We just wanted American food. Right. And we wanted to fit in and, That's what this movie, you know, did for me. Like it reminded me of those experiences myself and then also my big moment of recognizing all that my parents had gone through, which for me was actually a trip that I took to the Middle East. My first trip to the Middle East, not Iran, but Egypt was the first place I went in the Middle East. How old were you? Um, I was in college. So I was, I think, 19. 19 or 20. And it was a spring break trip through through school, right? So mm-hmm. through the university was able to go on the spring break trip to Egypt. So it was like a history and culture trip. And the guy who led the program was Egyptian. And so he took us out one night to the desert for a dinner with the Bedouins. So they cooked the dinner there, like literally just over a fire in a pit in the desert, all made by hand and everything. And then he said, and now we're going to just lay down and look at the stars. And I thought it was so corny. And me and my friend, you know, were laughing like, oh my gosh, we're like gazing at the stars. How romantic. But then everybody got silent because it really was breathtaking. Like the desert is the best place. You have no clouds. You can see the stars, right? And it hit me. There was something about for me being in the Middle East for the first time, having heard the music and just there's a lot of similarities in culture, even though it wasn't Iran, that felt very much like I was at home. And when I was looking at the stars, I just realized, I was like, I wonder how many people, like my parents, might be looking at the stars right now, dreaming about coming to America, dreaming about another life. And then I thought, I wonder if this is what my parents did. Did they sit one day looking up at the sky, wondering what might be possible in another country? And it just really made me appreciate everything that they had done to get me and my brother to the U.S. for a different education, for different opportunities, honestly, especially for me as a female in terms of opportunities and what I might have available to me versus growing up in another country. And when I came back from that trip, I told my parents about that. I told them mm-hmm. about my big epiphany because I just started crying like tears were just like streaming down my face in silence. As I was looking up, I'm getting a little emotional about it now. As I was looking up at the sky.
2: It's funny. When I first read the book, as a young, impetuous, early 20-year-old, I I skimmed past all the family, the train shit at the beginning. Like, ah, okay, 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 whatever. What is this? I heard this is a good book. Let me just plow through this. And then by the time you get to the part about the little boy growing up, selfishly, I, I was reading myself yeah. the whole damn thing. And, uh, and so I'm like, that's me. That's my story. You got to read this, right? But then when I saw the film one Irfan Khan is just like one of the greats and it's just very upsetting that he's no longer with us the, the guy who plays his dad but seeing the accidental experience never mind the trauma of, of the train ride right but mm-hmm. like the all the things you and even like there's this one scene that just I saw so much more of the movie this time now that I'm in my 40s and a parent I saw it from the mom's point of view yeah <laughs> and that scene of the mom Having her fully realized, actualized, a like, beautiful woman, beautiful life ahead of her. And again, she still did. And she walks into the house and I'm like, get ready, get ready. There's someone, it's, it's an arranged marriage getting yeah. to happen. And she sees the shoes and she, just like that whole thing. Like I, I didn't think I was going to lose it that early on in the film, but just like watching the mom's journey and the mom's loneliness. So by the time you get to young teenage Cal Penn. I looked up the ages. He was like 29 when he was flying. <laughs> but um, I had so much more context for the parents, mm-hmm. and I couldn't and, and honestly, seeing how Gogol was acting again when you're reading it, you're internalizing it as yourself. But when you're looking, it's like, oh, that's how people see me. That guy's an asshole. <laughs> right. Like, I, I was on the parent side the whole movie. And it just hurt more, I guess.
0: Yes. yeah, it's it's I had a similar experience because I've read the book and I saw the film when it first came out, and then I watched it again, and it was it's I really enjoy the series we're doing because whatever I thought of the film the first time, like twenty years ago is completely different when we were young and when <laughs> we were young exactly and and this time around, I really did resonate so much with the mom, like watching her. Like, to me, the film was actually about the mom more than it was about Gogol.
2: Or um, even the dad. I mean, the dad's even the, the first dad. half. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because I really – or maybe Taboo is just such a great actress, right? Like, I felt like she was drawing us in to her emotional world at every single stage, from the moment that she first met her husband to moving to a new country and navigating all of that. And at every moment, that loneliness was pervasive, right? Like – it it felt like she was finally fulfilled when she had her children, and we saw them growing up. But then they grow up and they leave, or they're strangers in her own house as she's raising. And we them. all and we all leave. Right. We all leave our moms. Yeah, yeah. It actually, for a moment, I was like, "Gosh, I should pack up and go back home to New York," because, like, like I, it, it just as as like an adult, I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Like my parents are are experiencing that right now, or they've been probably for the last 20 years, but like I've only now noticed from watching this movie how long they've probably felt that way. But we're at a stage now where our own parents are – they're older and who knows what might happen and it's just fascinating watching these old films in this stage of life where we're in that in between we have our own kids but we also you know have an older generation that we're eventually probably going to have to take care of in one way or another
2: it's funny you call it an old film i just want to jump on this not that it's not that old no but but this, so my wife and i unrelated we're rewatching 30 rock right now yeah. so it's modern right so right. it's in the mid 2000s but it was before the internet became ubiquitous. Mm. So literally there's one scene with Google's wife at the very end, she's in the kitchen with the phone and it's not a smartphone. And I'm not saying, Oh, it's, it's a flip phone, but it's like this ubiquitous (laughs) of everything being always on, being able to FaceTime with India, like the feelings of distance. This is where it does feel like an old film, because I think if, you know, our kids generation or even modern day 15 and 20 year olds are to see this, It speaks of a time before when you couldn't just FaceTime and be connected to everyone all the time. Like Mm -hmm. there's, there's something about that too, that this is where I do feel old, like that's been lost.
0: Right. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Or even the moment, like something that made me think about my own family and our roots was the moment that Gogol's parents sent the picture back home when, when Gogol was Mm -hmm. born and how the little girl took that all around that she showed everybody, you know, that there was a new member of their community and people were responding to it as if they were there. Like there was something just really special about that. And it reminded me of the stories I used to hear about my own grandparents writing letters back home and updating their family members about us. Cause this was pre email. It was pre any technology and you'd get that letter and it would be everything. It would be the update of that you'd get for the, for, for like three months time or something how much
2: i'm just genuinely curious because you're a go-getter <laughs> we all are and and again actually one character i just want to say one character who completely gets sidelined and again the author has her focus and the director has her focus but the sister is just completely sidelined. Oh, yeah doesn't accept yeah. for sonia um justice for sonia no but um <laughs> I, you know kind of feel or gogol just moves his way through life right and he just goes from thing to thing and it's a series of scenes so it's it's about the feeling that it evokes in the moment because you jump cut like whole months and years pass between scenes right mm-hmm. but how much did you relate to gogol's experience
1: i mean i didn't really as much to this idea of floating through life as you mentioned i'm a go getter and that's been ingrained in me from a young age and honestly it, it does really come from my minority experience. Like my parents would always tell me that you have so many opportunities here and you shouldn't take that for granted, right? You wouldn't necessarily have these opportunities in other contexts. And so that always put a fire under me, I would say, that... I need to not take things for granted, right? These opportunities are things that I should really maximize and go after. But what I did relate to were the things that were about people just not understanding his dual identity, right? Like having to spell out your name, simple things like that, like A for apple, Mm. D for day, (laughs) like- I but even know. the letters
2: she chose were great. It's like G for God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess
2: I guess that's one of the words. And like I I don't even remember like the other letters when she's calling the hospital. It's like that's probably not the word you should use. It.
1: <laughs> right. But how many times have we? At least for me, oh, yeah. that literally for me is on a daily basis. Like, and that's yeah. not just as a child. That's my whole life. Like my name is a name that people. Don't hear it's unique. They have no idea how to spell it or pronounce Podcast it. Podcast
2: hosts have
0: trouble pronouncing it. Yeah, I, had to, it out. I had to do that take twice to three times, maybe. Sorry about that, Ida.
1: Oh, understandable, right? But those those were the types of things, like those those small nuances and how we yeah. live our day, mm-hmm. is what stood out to me and what was really relatable to me because it's not usually these big, overt situations. Sometimes those things happen too, right? Where there's mm. like a very genuinely racist thing that happens or somebody says something um, filled with hate towards somebody of a different race or color. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's not even microaggressions.
2: It's just like the little yes. things that go unseen by all of us. We're all guilty. Exactly. Of yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep, exactly. And, and people just thinking like, it's one thing to have to spell out your name. That's, that's to me, that's okay. I get why... I need to do that. But those microaggressions, as you mentioned, right, it's when people think it's okay to just gloss over your name and mispronounce it and not even try because they don't get it, right? Like those types of things that you deal with on a daily basis of like, well, no, my name matters just as much as your name matters, even though maybe my name is unique and A little harder to pronounce just because you're not used to it but my name still matters right like don't don't just gloss over it or push it under the rug because you're afraid to try it you know it's (laughs) all the scenes
2: all the scenes with max his uh, his white girlfriend for that period of his life where especially it's like the scene of max's birthday party where the friend of the family comes over to talk i can't remember what she said about india it's like oh she came back from India and was so skinny, and I was like, uh come, come on, really? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's that's what you think? That's how you encapsulate an entire people and culture? Like,
1: right, right, yeah." Or when Maxine touched his hand in front of his parents yeah. when the first time she Even went over there, like, told that. Her. yeah. <laughs> Or that? When that she really breathed. stood out to me. It's like when she, kisses the, parents. Kisses yeah, the, she kisses parents the parents. She
0: she calls them by their first name. I just feel like it was so it was intentionally cringy, but it was really like it was really, really ag- abrasive. Like, ugh, it's gross.
1: But those things happen, right?
0: Yeah. But where my hate for
2: Cal Penn <laughs> and his character portrayal, like he just and again, because I'm guilty of it, that that's where the hate comes from. It's like self-hate. Like he just flowed straight into the lifestyle with Maxine's parents, calling them by their name. Like, yeah, you, your parents can tell me to call them by their name, and I never will do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's what was so poignant about that phase of his life, right? Like, he wanted to be accepted. Like, he tells this story about going on road trips with his family and how they would have like a nine course, basically like tiffin buffet. Like, they'd unpack all of that <laughs> like out car, of the van yeah. in the car. And and he says something like, and all all I wanted was McDonald's. And watching that as a grown-up now, I don't know. Like I feel like I have so much more context when I when we go back to these films. I was like, that is the line. Like that is the line that describes everything that he's doing with Maxine, right? Like he just wanted McDonald's. Like he just wanted to be like every other American kid that he knew. So he found a blonde-haired, blue-eyed girlfriend who calls her parents by from (laughs) connecticut right they have they have like a a vacation home by the lake like it's so it is just so all of those things and he calls her parents lydia and gerald like because he's just he he wants to be part of it so badly
2: and it's cliche but it's not until his dad dies that he's like oh shit like i've lost this thing and i need to associate more with it again
0: right but then even more so like then he goes to the extreme right and with like marrying somebody from his culture because he thinks that's going to help him to connect to that part of himself and so like watching him find the freedom finally was 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 a really triumphant moment
2: i mean without getting too much into the weeds but like we've all been in relationships with people from our culture and not and the Mm -hmm. motivations for that right like that 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 was another part that was really triggering for me triggering is the wrong word but in reading the book, because when I read the book and I saw the film, I was in that moment of, well, I have had the Maxines in my life. And now maybe I need to find the um I'm trying to come up with like an Indian girl version of Maxine.
1: <laughs> Those. And like I literally, when
2: I read the book and I saw the movie, I was in and out of dating Indian girls, right? Mm-hmm. And I did not marry an Indian girl. And it's because that's not gonna solve the problem, like or the thing inside of You have to be happy with yourself, blah, blah, blah. All that. It's not a therapy session, but it's just like, <laughs> l- like that really spoke to me. Like, that's not the answer. The way to get to your right. culture and finding yourself is not these constructs. Like, you, you have to be want to get there on your own. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know.
1: And they, they showed that in the movie, too, right? By him marrying not only an Indian girl, but a Bengali, but a Bengali? girl. Yeah. And that didn't with work a, out. With a
2: hot accent. Let's just. Say.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, she was so sexy. She was like. I, Beyond. You know
2: what's funny? When I so when I saw the movie of them as teenagers, I was like, okay, they've clearly aged down. Kelpan, long hair, baggy baggy clothes, blah blah blah. And they show the girl when they first meet when they're teenagers, and she's awkward. It's like, wait, I remember when I saw the movie, she got really hot. How are they going to pull this off? And never mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but but on to your anyway. point, right? Like that didn't work out either because it's not necessarily about having to find somebody within your culture, but needing to solve for yourself, like what Mm -hmm, does happiness mm -hmm. look like? How do you exist as a dual identity person in this world? And for some people, that's a perfectly great solution is to marry within your culture, but that's not necessarily the answer, right? You have to be Mm -hmm. comfortable in your own skin first and figure out how to embrace both sides of your cultures or the duality of the cultures Mm -hmm. before being able to get into that next phase with somebody else
2: there's some really interesting nuances and callbacks in the film like both pearl jam and samosas were really interesting um (laughs) Mm. because there's the moment where he's at home as a teenager he just graduated and he's like just jamming to pearl jam in his room like dialed up to 11 and his dad comes in to have this super warm moment with him right and then fast forward many 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 years later not teenage google but like thirties Gogol he's back in this empty room the monitors on the floor all the posters are taken down the on the board are tickets from shows like the few memories that you keep right but the other callback the samosas is there's a moment where Gogol's wife she's like I'm not just going to be a woman making samosas on a Thursday yeah and then you jump cut like two years later she's at his parents house like frying up samosas (laughs)
1: Right, but while wow, she's cheating on him, right, what, right, right, before <laughs> yeah. she
2: gets the phone call from Pierre, and I, did did the mom the mom spoke French? Like she heard what she was saying?
1: Did the she
0: like? I was trying to figure that out because the mom was definitely listening, and I and I couldn't remember if the mom knew
1: French. Yeah, I, I think they left it as a mystery for us to figure out. Was she just picking up on her body language and her tone of voice? Moms
0: know, mom whether or not she spoke French.
2: Moms always know. Yeah, yeah. The moms know.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, her mom didn't see while her while the mom was sad, she didn't seem that surprised when he said that they were getting divorced.
0: Yeah, she even says at one point that it's all her fault, but
2: yeah, when she said that, I was like, Oh, she
0: knew, she knew, yeah,
2: maybe she didn't hear the French, but moms know, moms just know they know so much.
1: (laughs) One thing I thought of related to her journey in this film, I thought it was interesting. The entire time because we're talking about this idea of how do we live in between these two worlds and the husband and wife were an interesting dichotomy in that the husband really embraced America right he, he mm-hmm. viewed America as the land of opportunity and just even the way he dressed right and the way he seemed to go about his life was very different than her, right? She... She wore the sari all the way. Exactly. She she stuck to her clothing, right? The traditional sari.
2: The henna in her hair.
1: Yep. Yeah. And the bindi, right? And then she's talking about even when their son was first born, right? About wanting to go back to India. Like she talks about, I'm not sure if I want to raise my son in the US. And so during the whole movie, right, you see that struggle. It's not just Gogol and the struggle he's going through, but you also see the husband and wife having very different experiences in terms of their ability or willingness or desire to want to embrace one culture over the other.
2: Yeah. Another moment where I, Again, having I had to watch the movie in chunks but because I had no time, but also because it was hard to watch this time around. So I finished the last 30 minutes of the movie like 30 minutes ago, and a moment where I lost it was the speech at the dinner party. So first, the Indian dinner party scene is like dead on. That's what it is on every other weekend. But And it was just a very familiar thing that all of them knew. But when she's giving that speech, she's announced that she's leaving. It's the last party with all of the community, with all the aunties and uncles, and She's like my husband's ashes might be in India but my memories of our life are here with you because mm. it's like this adopted mm-hmm. family yeah. that Gogol and his sister they're closer with these uncles and aunties not the uncles and aunties back in Calcutta.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think about that a lot because like uh, I when I do care about my family in around the world my actual family but like when I get news about uncles and aunties and their kids back in Alabama that family stuff happening to them that gets me I don't want to say I'm more invested in it but I yeah I found out I found out an uncle passed away a few years ago and I actually sat down and I wrote the card to that auntie versus mm-hmm. I probably not written those cards back to India sometimes.
0: Yeah. Well it's cuz you had a more intimate relationship with those people, right? Like Yeah, yeah they we saw were you were in each other's up. house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
2: So I'm curious as some of my non-Indian friends, <laughs> were there any revealing things about, because I mean, I do think this is one of those things that speaks to not just the immigrant American experience or minority American experience, but it speaks to the Indian, even though they're they're Bengali, so they're South Asian, but the South Asian American experience is, is just in full force in this film. Were there any things there that you found interesting?
1: You know, for me, since I've grown up with so many very, very close friends of mine that are Indian, I feel very close to the culture and that Mm. I've experienced a lot of things within the culture too, right? Like I've gone to pujas and I've been to the weddings and the engagement parties. There wasn't a lot in that sense that stood out to me as new, but it did give me a different perspective of some of the things that maybe my Indian friends or at least their parents may have gone through. Like for example, when the wife is having the child and she asks for a longer frock, I don't know if you guys remember that in the yeah. hospital, right? Yeah. Like she she was concerned about her legs showing. Just those like little nuances of the things that we all have to adapt to and have challenges with at, at the blending of cultures. Some of those things stood out to me, or like when she went to the laundromat for the first time, the culture shock of going to a laundromat like that. Those were the types of things that stood out to me more.
0: Yeah. I think as I watched it, I, I actually thought about you a lot, Roman, because I've heard from this podcast all of the stories of all your like your own experience with uncles and aunties and sort of someone moves in 10 miles away and you invite them for dinner because it was just everybody and each family. other yeah. yeah 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 and so watching that develop and watching what that looked like from a suburban perspective was it was just nice because I, I literally could see you. Like, it was like, I, I was just thinking like, this is this the, this is his family. This is Roman's family. That's his sister. <laughs>
2: don't insult my sister like that. She'll stop oh. listening to the pod. <laughs> <laughs> There's this one moment where the sister, right? Sonia, her fiance is at the house and he walks up to Gogol, like he's the only dude who maybe understands what he's going through. And he's like, I don't know how I'm going to keep all these names straight. And Gogol's oh, yeah. like, just call everybody auntie. Call everybody <laughs> That's auntie. <the> ultimate <laughs> fact. You'll be fine. Just say auntie. It totally works. That's why I'm terrible with names because yes, I know all the aunties now, but like, yeah, I never had to remember names. I didn't have to know them by their first name. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Well, and how do you differentiate? That's actually always been a question for me, like are there degrees of aunties or is it basically like any you know no for like no, no, really no, no. someone who's closer that you've known for a very long time, right? Like or she's an auntie just as much as the person you just met yesterday? I in.
2: mean, there's auntie and then there's auntie, right? No.
1: But, um, <laughs> oh, here's actually, yes.
2: Three layers of auntie. If I don't know you, you're just auntie, right? So if you're the, the Gora or the non-Indian son-in-law, fiance visiting, everyone's an auntie, right?
1: Wait, um, so wait, what's Gora mean? That's new for me.
2: Oh, that's the Indian word for white person. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But if even like if I'm on the street in Manhattan... And an auntie in a sari comes up to me because I'm Indian and asks for directions in Hindi, and I speak back in broken Hindi or Punjabi. Like she's an auntie, she's just an auntie. It's fine. Hey, yes, auntie, this. Da, 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 da. If it's and I could get this wrong. But this is my own taxonomy. <laughs> um, actually, no, that's incorrect. I was gonna say like the first name before or after the word auntie. It works better with uncle. But I am rum and uncle to people I'm close with. Right. So when I go hang out with my friend Shweta and I meet her kids, they call me Raman uncle. But to my niece and nephew, I'm Uncle Raman. It it actually doesn't work Uh, the same with auntie, but there are levels. I don't know if they're communicated in the language, Ida, but there's aunties and then there's aunties.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. I've actually heard that, like you said, when you put the first name before auntie or uncle. Okay. So maybe that's kind of auntie, auntie, auntie. So, okay. So it's a level up. If you put the name, there's a level of closeness there
2: does Got that it. how's that jive with like chinese and iranian culture is, is the auntie uncle system alive and well there or not really
1: not for us no. no and we actually we differentiate for us between aunts and uncles if it's maternal or paternal so oh um, yeah yeah we, we, yeah in the actual
2: yeah. words like masi, yeah 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 yes, we, we have yeah, that yeah. as well yeah
1: but oh, we don't you know, have like might... a blanket auntie uncle thing that
2: that's true so um like you yeah, you have your cha cha. And, yeah, yeah. and if they're older or younger, older, or younger, like right. yeah, there's a whole right. system. And yep. that's what it is, Ida. It's you use those things like a maternal, paternal, older sibling, younger sibling, like that, the actual Hindi, Punjabi, Bengali word for the actual relatives. But for everyone mm. else, it's just auntie.
0: Oh, that makes so much sense. So aunt, auntie and uncle are like Mr. and Miss.
2: Yes, and no. Here's why Mr. and Mrs. is very formal. Yeah. Uh, very formal. I don't know you, so you would you're Miss Sharon or you're yeah. Miss Miss Tony, right? Miss Abdelkhani, et etc. But in it's it there's and this is something about South Asian culture versus Western culture, and I, and I'm only comparing those two because I I can't speak for both of your cultures. But there is a warmness to if someone who knows someone, right? So yeah, we, the, okay. the, and I know Middle Eastern culture has this too. A guest is God. You you treat them. With the utmost respect, etc., and it's not mm-hmm. a formal respect; it's a familial respect. Come in, no, 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 no. Uh, let me feed you first. All of that stuff, and that's that's truly the auntie, uncle versus Mister, Mrs. Got it. Yeah.
1: All right, I got a little bit of an education. This yeah. Is good. <laughs> to be clear, I can yeah. be completely
2: wrong here because I'm not the best. I'm
0: I'm as Indian as Google. <laughs>
1: well, I also feel what... like
0: there's like we need to create some family tree or a map with all of the different titles and different languages. Because I just I, I up until this moment I didn't realize that other cultures and had like the same type of nomenclature that we did in, in Chinese culture. Because maternal, paternal, older, younger aunts and uncles, like they all have different names and it's gotten to a point where I don't even know what to call people anymore.
2: I <laughs> I don't think it's that. I think Western culture is the only one that's lacking it. <laughs> like Latin oh, American culture has maybe it. I'm, Asian yeah. culture has it. A handful of African cultures I'm familiar with has it as well. Yeah. I, I just think it's a Eurocentric thing that doesn't have it, actually. Hmm. And But we just happen to live in that world, right? right. Like We live in right. those norms. Yeah. So we think that's normal. Whereas reality, just on pure population count alone, a majority of the world population subscribes to this other system of auntie <laughs> and uncle title taxonomy.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> any any closing thoughts or reflections on the namesake?
1: Well, one thing that, that stood out to me, the idea that when you have this dual identity what you do for your profession can take on, yeah, a, gosh, yes, can take on a very strong consideration of what your parents want. So when he wants to major in architecture, and he has this epiphany when he's in front of the Taj Mahal, right? And his dad says, "What about engineering?" Like that is pretty pervasive in a lot of cultures that, right? You're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, and what your parents want is. Usually, what a lot of children end up going after, whether or not it truly makes them happy and with more time and as we get into different generations, people yeah, are starting yeah. to take more of a stance on their own ideas of what they want, but that was something that just it made me chuckle when I saw that because his dad, instead of maybe being excited that Gogol's finally like breaking Found out some of his laziness, is yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. but what about engineering
2: <laughs> for that moment again a little bit of self- hatred and jealousy like My dad is an architect and I wanted to be an architect. And he was like, no, you go be an engineer. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's what I studied, right? Like that, that hit pretty close to home in that moment. And he went and did it, but it's just really interesting. It was a bit of an idealized lifestyle. And that's where a little bit of my shade comes at It's like, it's not that easy. Like, and I guess he was a bit of a rebellious child, but I I don't know.
0: And then he got into Yale. I was like, no, that's not true. (laughs) <laughs>
2: the amount of weed he was smoking? Come on. I
0: know, like, come on. That can't be true. One thing that I, I do want to reflect upon, I don't really know what to do with this, but I noticed it was the librarian friend of Ashima. So she would confide in her librarian friend for anything that seemed either less positive or maybe things that she was just trying to work through. And they had a relationship that I thought was really interesting because talking about the aunties and the uncles that were at their house every day, it was almost like, Ashima would tell the truth or her fears about her children and her family to this outside source because she'd be judged less or maybe because yeah, the it was outside safer. Source... It was safer. It wouldn't yeah. make it
2: in the community. Aunties wouldn't be talking about it to each other. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And then it, it comes full circle at the end, right? When she's ready to, also to break free and create her own path, it's the librarian friend that that pulls that out of her. So. I, I found that to be a really interesting relationship too the, the movie doesn't focus too much on it but just subtly it was it was something that I could really relate to also being the child of immigrants and like you're not supposed to be talking about certain things within the community
2: i yeah because the taboos and the norms you can that are taboo in the mother culture that aren't in the western culture right that you right. can talk more freely about them and that's funny my mom has her best friend is a black woman sherry and but mom is also close and sisterly with all the aunties too. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's as we like going to weddings and they all know about Sherry and, and they hang out with Sherry too now. It's, it's so interesting to watch that play out. Another interesting thing I noticed, right? So when I first saw the movie, I was living in the Midwest and I'd been out in, in the, the New York area for almost more, more time than I was ever in the Midwest now. The town that the Ganganis live in. And the library she works at, that's, like, I used to, like, I don't live there anymore, but that part of the Hudson Valley, like, that's the Nyack Library. I used to go to the (laughs) the Nyack (laughs) Library. And, like, the Metro North shots, the train station with his wife. Like, that's that's Harlem. That's a Harlem 125th Street station, the station you catch Metro North from. Like, those are Metro North trains. So they they got that right. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know, guys. Would you recommend that folks should watch or check out the namesake? And to who would you recommend should watch and check out the namesake?
1: Such a good question. I mean, yes to the first question. Definitely recommend the movie. And I really think it can apply to anyone because if you're not a minority, it gives a great perspective on what the minority experience might be like and some of the struggles that anybody with dealing with dual cultures or dual identities struggles with. So probably hits home more for minorities, but Certainly, it's going to pull on anybody's heartstrings and anybody can learn from it. So it's a it's a great one to be able to open up conversations about like, what is your experience like as a minority, right? And to start opening up that pathway for some deeper conversations.
0: I fully agree with that. Yeah, I think I would definitely recommend it. It holds up even after all this time. I keep saying that it's really not that old, but it's- Well, uh... no, but
2: the, the last movie we talked about, which had a couple more decades on it,
0: it, it held up. Kinda. Yeah, not really, though. But this one is, it has universal themes. And it is a film that everyone should watch, minority or majority, because the, the familial relationships that are depicted, the idea of being in a new environment, whether that is a new country with a new culture and a new language, or even just moving to a new city or getting a new job, right? Like, this film really hits on that in a really deep way in terms of what does that mean for you then in terms of identity and what you want and how you're going to find your own joy. So it was an amazing book to read. And it continues to be a great movie to watch.
2: Yeah, I mean, no matter your cultural heritage, if you finish watching the movie and don't call your parents, you are. A <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> well, Sharon, Ida, thank you so much for watching one of my favorite MM movies. And yeah, can't wait till our next conversation.
0: Thank you for hosting this, Uncle Roman, Roman Uncle.
1: <laughs> and thanks for having <laughs> me, guys. It's been a lot of fun.
0: And that's our show. Like what
2: you heard? Please subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform.
0: Now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three.
2: Want to learn more or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us, mom. at modmypod.com.
0: You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at modminpod. We'd love to hear from you.
2: That's it for now. I've been Raman Segel,
0: And I'm still Sharon Lee-Tony.
2: Remember, we're all modern minorities out there.
0: We'll talk to you soon.